When the wise men had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to join us here in this place this morning, and we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words. And all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I had my first epiphany while sitting at a red roll-top desk in my childhood room. I remember it as though it were yesterday. Literally, I don't use that phrase Lightly. I actually remember it incredibly clearly. I was sitting there doing math homework. And I'd either already gotten to the point where my parents could no longer help me with math, or my parents were simply refusing to help me. Either way, I had this worksheet of problems that I had to do, and I just could not figure out how to do them. I don't remember what kind of problems they were. Apparently, I don't literally remember it like it was yesterday. That's embarrassing. I hate using the word literally incorrectly. I remember, though, sitting there, staring at this sheet of problems, and just feeling like a complete failure and starting to cry. And I sort of had my head in my hands, looking at the problems, and my glasses were filling with tears as I wept, trying to do this homework. And then, an epiphany. I looked through my tear-filled glasses one more time, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I could see how to work the problems. An epiphany through tears. A sudden realization that changed everything. Where five minutes ago I hadn't been able to do it, all of a sudden, I could. And it's just that kind of sudden and profound change that we're celebrating this morning, this Sunday of the Epiphany as Christians have come to celebrate it, commemorates the wise men and their visit to pay homage to the Christ child. They meet him, and everything changes. They are inspired to not return to Herod, but to go home by a different road. And every time I read this story of the um, wise men and their sort of profound change of heart, I remember this um, incredibly moving early scene from Les Miserables. I'm never sure how to pronounce quite the end of that word. I've heard it pronounced all kinds of different ways, Les Miserables, where they just sort of leave it off and ignore it completely. I'm just not even going to try. That famous story you all know, whether in novel form or Broadway musical form or recently uh, uh, Hugh Jackman starring film form, they all share this incredibly moving scene at the beginning where The hero, Jean Valjean, who is recently paroled from prison after serving 19 years of hard labor, uh, all for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his starving sister's son. That's his only crime. He's now out of prison, but he's hampered by the fact that his identification marks him as a criminal. And so he can't get a job. There's no room for him in the inn. Get it? No room in the inn? And so he's sort of stuck. He can't do anything. And finally, he is sort of taken in by the generosity of a bishop locally 
who sees him and welcomes him into his home. And as he's there late at night, and I should admit at this point um, the embarrassing fact that I've not read the novel, um, nor have I seen the Broadway show, I've only seen the movie, which is sort of tragic. And I've, I've sat, I have the novels like on the iPad, I think it's all the memory on the iPad, um, but it's sort of on my list. But as of now, I confess to you, I open my heart, bare my soul, and say that I've only seen the movie. But I know that this scene is in all three forms. Valjean is so overcome by the generosity of this clergyman, and he's in his home, and he can't understand how he could be shown, shown such mercy and grace and love, and he's so confused, and he's not sure what's going to happen. He's so overwhelmed, in fact, that he ends up stealing everything he can carry from the, the, the bishop's house and making off in the night. And of course, he doesn't get very far. He's, he's soon arrested by the police and dragged back before the bishop, who has the opportunity to send him back to prison forever. But he doesn't do it. He says, my son, you've forgotten these two candlesticks. I gave you all the silver that you're carrying. How could you leave behind the two most valuable pieces? And Valjean is floored by this. By this incredible, unbelievable, uncomprehensible, incomprehensible act of mercy and love to, to tell the person who stole from you that not only can he keep what he's got, but here is even more. And this experience, this experience of grace and mercy changes Valjean forever. For the entire rest of his life, he is altered by this experience of love and mercy, he has this transition, what we might call an epiphany, of seeing the world through a lens of law and judgment and prison and getting what you deserve, to a way of seeing the world through a lens of grace and comfort and love and of forgiveness. And for him, it's a total paradigm shift, and it is the overriding theme of the whole story, both in novel and in musical. And with that shift in mind, that epiphany, that profound change, let's consider the epiphany we have before us this morning, that of the wise men coming to visit Jesus in Matthew chapter 2. Now they come following a star that they've seen because they've heard that this star will lead them to the Messiah, the promised new king of the Jews, and they want to pay him homage. First off, though, they get sort of sidetracked through Jerusalem where they come across King Herod, who has heard this news as well, that there is a new king of the Jews, and he is afraid because, as you might expect, he sort of feels like he wants to be the new king of the Jews himself, and he doesn't want anybody sort of challenging his right to that position. If the, new, if the Jews have a new king, Herod's going to be out of a job. And so he tells the wise men that he'd like to pay this new king homage too. So would they please go find out where the baby is and come back and tell him? Now, of course, if we were to read just a few verses further than our reading allows us to, we would see that what Herod was really up to was that he wants to get rid of this child. In fact, when he finds out that the wise men went home by a different route and didn't come back to tell him where Jesus is. 
He gives an order that every male child aged two and younger in the entire area be killed. So Herod is up to no good here. And somehow the wise men experience this shift. They change from planning to go back and tell Herod where Jesus is to going home by a different route. Now, one of the things that happens, obviously, we read in Scripture is that they were warned in a dream to go home by a different route, and they do. But something else happens, too, something that I think is even more profound. They had an epiphany. They met Jesus Christ. Now, here's another story from Les Mis. You can tell when anybody doesn't know how to really pronounce it, they just say Les Mis. Um, There's a police inspector who is after Jean Valjean for the whole story because he has broken his parole in order to care for an orphan child. And Javert, this inspector, several times over the course of the story, catches up to Jean Valjean. And how Valjean reacts to being caught by Javert is very interesting. He doesn't try to run away. He doesn't uh, try to hurt Javert. In fact, he gives himself up to the man who is chasing him on a number of occasions, even once having an opportunity to kill Javert, he spares his life. And after this final act of mercy on Valjean's part, Javert, at least in the musical version, sings a song. And here's a little bit of it. Who? I'm just kidding, I'm not going to (laughs) sing. He says, Who is this man? What sort of devil is he to have caught me in a trap and choose to let me go free? It was his hour to put the seal on my fate, wipe out the past, and wash me clean off the slate. All it would take was a flick of his knife. Vengeance was his, and he gave me back my life. Damned if I'll live in the debt of a thief. Damned if I'll yield at the end of the chase. I am the law. And the law is not mocked. I'll spit his pity right back in his face. There is nothing on earth that we share. It is either Valjean or Javert. And then, 150-year-old spoiler alert, Javert throws himself into a river, committing suicide. Because he can't comprehend this mercy. He can't understand this love. He can't live in a world where grace and forgiveness have more power than judgment and rules. You see, he has an epiphany too. But unlike the wise men who meet Jesus Christ and have their outlook changed for the better, and unlike Valjean who receives mercy and enjoys his new lease on life, Javert can't take it. It's too much. He realizes that these two ways of life the way of judgment and the way of mercy cannot live together. And he feels compelled to destroy himself. His epiphany, though destructive, is just as powerful as the others. Now we call this Sunday that we're celebrating today the Sunday of the Epiphany. Actual Epiphany was a few days ago, but we're celebrating it this morning. And you've all heard this word. It simply means a sudden revelation, like an aha moment. And in church... It's referring specifically to the revelation of God. 
the manifestation of God. And that's what the wise men are witness to, right? They come, they see the Christ child, and they realize who he is. And they know immediately that they can't go back to Herod and sell out this newborn baby. Because they've come into contact with God on earth. They've had an epiphany. But here's the really interesting thing about epiphany to me. This is not the first time that God has been revealed. Right? The most notable time was when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai. God reveals himself in his law. He tells us what he's like, what the rules are that we must follow to be like him. God reveals himself on the mountaintop. But we don't call that the epiphany. Apparently that's not enough of an aha moment. We save the word epiphany, the sudden revelation of God, the aha moment for this, for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, what's the difference? Now, John says in his gospel, he says something incredibly profound. He says, the law came through Moses there on Mount Sinai, but grace and truth, he says, came through Jesus Christ. So which one's the aha moment? Which one's the epiphany? Now, the law works just the way we'd expect the world to work, right? Valjean expects the, the bishop to have him arrested. After all, he's a thief and he's stolen everything that he can carry from the house. Now Javert expects Valjean to kill him when he has the opportunity. After all, Javert's plan is to throw him in prison for the rest of his life. This is the way we expect the world to work. We get what we deserve. But were those things to happen? Were, Javert, were Valjean to get thrown back in prison for stealing? Or were Valjean to kill Javert when he had the opportunity? We'd all nod our heads and yawn and throw Victor Hugo's 1,488-page novel on the trash heap. Old news, right? Boring. Criminals go to prison... Bad guys get killed. Boring. But the gospel, the good news that grace exists, that there is mercy and love in the world, that's not boring. That a sinner might not get what's coming to him, but instead be given more gifts, that's not boring. When Javert comes into contact with this revolutionary idea that grace is more powerful than judgment, this epiphany, he can't handle it. It runs so counter to the way in which he needs the world to work that he can't stand living anymore. But for Valjean, and for the wise men, and for us, it changes everything. It makes life worth living. It did for the wise men on that night so long ago, and it does the same for us today. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law, the rules, the regulations, you get what you deserve, that's just the way we expect the world to work. But grace and truth, that's an epiphany. 
You see, we expect the revelation of God to be like the giving of the Ten Commandments. Rules, regulations, here's how you have to live, here's what you need to do, requirements, laws. Remember Isaiah's reaction when he has the vision of himself in the throne room of God? He says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips. He comes into contact with Almighty, Holy God, and all he can think about is how unworthy he is. That's the law. St. Peter has the same reaction when he realizes that Jesus is more than just a man. He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. That's what we expect. We expect holiness to judge us. We think that the arrival of God comes to the tune of, my boyfriend's back and you're going to be in trouble. (laughs) But that's just God's first word. The rules are just where he starts. God's final word is an earth-shaking epiphany. He becomes incarnate on earth. He actually comes here and he is a savior, not just a judge. He is a healer, a minister. He is an offering and sacrifice for others. Life makes more sense Javert's way, right? When you get what you deserve. When the bad guys get punished and the good guys get rewarded. But that's terrible news for us bad guys. We've got it so much better. We're Jean Valjean. All too often we feel like we've been dragged back into God's house and we know we're guilty. Perhaps some of us are feeling that way this very morning. In a few minutes, we're going to make a simple confession, simple enough that it it encompasses everyone. We'll say we confess that we have not loved God with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. This is true of every single one of us. We are all guilty. But there is good news for us. This announcement that shakes the earth and shatters the way that we think about the world is that God himself came to earth and turned the axis of the world from Javert's way, where everyone gets just what they deserve, To Valjean's way, where we sinners get what Christ deserves. We get the perfection he deserves. He died the death that we deserve. Now that is an epiphany. Amen.